Well, today we're in this series called Frequency. We're part three of it, and I'm excited about this word. I believe God has a great word for us as a church. And I want to begin with a statement that some uh, of you might seem, to, it might seem a little weird. So when I say this statement, it might be a little shocking. It might feel a little surprising. In fact, some of you may not even believe, like you, you really may not believe. You may have kind of questions about what I'm about uh, to say to you. And even if you're a person, by the way, you're watching online and you, you know, you're like, I don't even know if this God thing is real. Maybe you're just kind of testing it out. What I'm about to say to you, I just want you to know is true for you too. All right, this is true for everyone in this room. You don't have to have a theology degree for this to be true. You don't have to even read, ever read the Bible for this statement to be true. If you're taking notes with us, by the way, which are available online, you can go online, print off the notes, or if you're here with us, follow along with this in our notes if you want to. Here's the truth that I want to reveal to you today right from the top, and that is God wants to speak to you. God wants to speak to you. I want you to know that today. We're in this series about, called Frequency, which is really all about hearing God's voice. You know, many people wonder, you know, does God talk? How does God talk to you? Or how do you know if God is speaking? Well, first, I want you to really wrap your head around this. I want you to consider this thought this morning. God wants to speak to you. I mean, just think about that for just a moment. In the very first part of the series, we referenced this verse from John 10, 27, where it says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. So my sheep know my voice. That tells us God wants to speak to his people. Like, he wants to speak to you. So I want you to just, just take a moment. Like, seriously, think about this. God, the creator of the world, the one who formed everything that you see, the one who made you, actually wants to speak to you. The one who's all-powerful, right? He's almighty. He wants to speak to us. I mean, he, he wants to talk with you. Like, he can't, he can't wait to talk with you. I mean, he, he really looks forward to speaking to you. How many of you today could use a word from the creator of the world? You could use a word from him. You could use a word from him today. Where he is, he's like going, I want to talk to you. And you're like, man, if, if God would speak to me, just imagine what that would maybe feel like or be like if, if you really heard God speak to you today. Imagine how your life might be different tomorrow if you got to go to work and say, hey, God spoke to me. I mean, that's a big deal. I think this is something that we often take for granted, dare I say, or we really don't realize, we really don't focus on that, that God wants to speak to us. I could go on and on and on about how awesome this is that God wants to speak to us. So if it's true that God wants to speak to us, if it's true that his sheep listen to his voice and God wants to speak to his people, God wants to talk to you, then here's the question, why can't you hear him? I mean, if God is wanting to speak to you, then, then what gets in the way? What's the tension? What's the reason why we often don't hear what God is saying? Well, today, that's what I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about how to hear God's voice. I want you to wrap your head about what I just said. This, I'm going to teach you today about how to hear God's voice. You say, man, I would love to hear God. I would love to hear what God is saying. Well, I'm going to teach you today how to hear God's voice. In fact, you're going to be blown away by how simple it is. If you want to hear God's voice, I'm going to tell you in just a minute, okay? So you have to kind of stay tuned for just a second. So I've titled the message today, by the way. Guess what? How to hear God's voice. 
I know it's not, you know, it's just how to hear God's voice, all right? So this is what it's all about, how to hear God's voice. That's what this whole message is about today. So if you know somebody who's like, I would love to hear God's voice, then this is uh, the message you might want to pass on to them or share with them, how to hear God's voice. The good news is I believe there's a passage of Scripture that gives us some great insight into how to hear God's voice. In other words, you've got to hear me. I'm not giving you my opinion on this. I'm not giving you my opinion. I'm not here to tell you what, how, I, how I go about hearing God's voice and what kind of systematic uh, process I might follow to try to hear his voice. I'm telling you what the scripture clearly says about how to hear God's voice today. So if you've ever wondered, how do I know if it's God? Like, how do, God's speaking to me, you know. How do I hear his voice? I want to hear God's voice. How do I do that? Do I got to pray a couple things? Do I got to run some circles a couple times? Like, what do I got to do? Today's for you. All right, here's how we're going to hear God's voice. Well, open your Bibles, if you have your Bible with you online, Ezekiel 37. This is the, uh, where we find this passage called the Valley of Dry Bones. It's a kind of a famous passage. Ezekiel is a prophet, which means basically his job is simply to deliver a message on behalf of God. So his whole kind of responsibility was to uh, hear what God is speaking, and then uh, God would speak through him to a group of people or a nation in this case. Uh, or maybe just one person, and really it's just a way of delivering God's words through a man to somebody else. So it's kind of like God is speaking really in of himself. It's God's words. It's just being delivered through a man. That's what Ezekiel is. He's a prophet, and he's writing this. And so he's, he's called to share this message with this nation of Israel, this group of people who are in exile. But before he goes and shares the message, he's given a picture. And it's this picture that I think really reveals to us how we can hear God's voice and how to hear what he is saying, to know what he is saying, all right? So here's where we begin, Ezekiel 37, verse 1. It says, the hand of the Lord was upon me. That just tells us that God was with me. God was over me. His presence was before me. He was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord, and he sent me into the middle of a valley. So he sends me in this valley. It's a picture that he's getting in his mind, and it was full of bones, And then he led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley. And then he says, bones that were very dry. So Ezekiel is placed in the middle of this valley of dead people. But they were not only dead people, they were people who had been dead for quite some time because Ezekiel says the bones were very dry. So the flesh is completely gone. They had been baked and bleached by the sun for many years. The life that once wrapped around these bones were long gone. There was no life. It was a valley of skeleton bones. Now, normally when I think of skeleton bones, the first image that pops in my mind is the scene in Karate Kid. All the people from the 80s know what I'm talking about, right? It's, it's this valley of skeleton bones, and he's, he's walking back and forth, and he's maybe looking around, and then it tells us that he notices these bones are very dry. So maybe he picks them up, and he touches them, and he's recognizing these have been dead for a period of time. So this raises a question. What happened to these bones? Why are these bones here, and why are they very dry? What caused these bones? What happened here in this valley that these dead bones are sitting here? And they're all around him, maybe hundreds, maybe thousands, all around him. And he's wondering, what happened? 
if you walked into a valley of dry bones, you'd be wondering, what happened here? Was there a battle? What went on? Well, the good news is Ezekiel 36, just one chapter back, verse 17 through 19, reveals that to us. Gives us some insight into why these bones are dry. God is talking to Ezekiel still, and he says, Son of man, when the people of Israel were living in their own land, they did something. They defiled it by their conduct and their actions. Their conduct was like a woman's monthly uncleanness in my sight. That's disgusting. Okay, so I poured out my wrath on them. I mean, they were filthy. That's gross. He says, the people, the way they lived their life by their conduct and their actions was, was like a, a woman's cycle. It was, it was bad. They were so disgusting in how they lived their life. Their actions and conduct was terrible. Then he says, this, this conduct was so bad, I poured out my wrath on them. Not because I wanted to, but because they had shed blood in the land because they had defiled it with their idols. See, the nation of Israel had defiled me. They started to turn to idols. And so I dispersed them among the nations, and they were scattered through the countries, and I judged them according to their conduct and their actions. The context of the nation of Israel is very important to understand. Israel is divided into two kingdoms, the north and the south. And both of these kingdoms are taken captive because of their disobedience to God. So God had spoken through Jeremiah the prophet that they were going to be captive actually for 70 years. And God is telling Ezekiel that the reason these bones are dry is due to his people's refusal to follow his commands of the one true living God. And they had replaced God with idols. They replaced God with other idols. An idol is an image or representation of a God used as an object of worship. That's what an idol is. Now anything can become an idol. You can have your work become your idol. Your whole life is wrapped up about your job. Money could become an idol. Fame could become an idol. Your marriage could become an idol. Your spouse could become an idol. Your children could become an idol. I mean, you could put all kinds of things in place of God. It doesn't necessarily have to be a statue. It could be. And in this context, many times it was. But there was lots of things you could, you could run to. You know, an idol is basically this. When, when you put something in front of God and you have an idol in front of God, you're running to something else to satisfy the needs of your spiritual being. You're running to something else to satisfy the needs of your soul. And you're, and you're replacing that thing with something else. You're replacing God with, with something else in your life. You're worshiping that object or that thing. It becomes the most important part of your life. So here you have this nation who's basically disobeyed God. And they've turned to these idols. Simply put, the Israelites' disobedience created distance, and distance created dryness. Now, you have to follow me on this. You have to listen to what I'm teaching on this. The Israelites' disobedience, following false gods, putting other things in front of God, not putting God first in their life, the Israelites' disobedience created distance. Distance from God is what we call sin because sin separates us from God. Scripture tells us that the wages of sin is death. That's what sin did. That's what sin came into the world and it divided. It caused a distance between man and God. And so sin created distance and the distance created dryness. When the Israelites began to follow other gods and they broke the commands of the one true God, then they were separated from God because of sin 
And then it distanced them from God, which in turn created a dryness. Once you take this note down, spiritual dryness is the result of running to anything other than God to meet your spiritual needs. Spiritual dryness is the result of running to anything other than God to meet the needs of your soul. Well, might be another way of saying it. Or your spiritual needs. Many people today, I believe, are living with dry bones. And the reason that they're living with dry bones is because they have run to something other than God to satisfy the longings of their soul. They chased after wealth, thinking it would reduce the stress in their life, but all it did was dry up the bones of their family. Would you think about that for just a minute? How many families have suffered at the pursuit of wealth? They thought, the family thought, when we get the bigger, when we do the more, when we buy the house, then, then. And they just work and work and work, and the whole time they're losing their children. I got to work, I got to work, I got to work, I got to work, I got to make money, 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 money. And by default, they're losing the relationship with their children. And the relationship between the parent and the child becomes dry. And the parents go, what happened? What happened? And spiritually dead on the inside, the relationship is between them and their children or their family. They chased after another person in a marriage. Listen, there's, there's people who, who clearly, we know this in, in the world that it happens, who commit adultery. And they, they go to another person thinking that other person will satisfy them because their current spouse isn't meeting the needs of their own heart and soul the way they thought or they should or the way they've expected. And because of that, they go to run somebody else. And when they run to somebody else, they bring death to their current marriage. But can I say something to you today? And as I was thinking about this today, listen, you don't have to commit adultery physically in order to cause spiritual death to happen in your marriage. But Jesus said, when you lust after a person, it's like committing adultery. You see, you could just, you could just compare, and some of you are doing this. I'm speaking to somebody. I believe it. You, you look at somebody else's social media feed, and you look at their marriage, and what's happening is you're beginning to, to look to that, lust for that, and you're killing your own marriage by default. Because you're, because you're putting it at this pedestal level. You know, we could do that. We get caught in that. And by default, the marriage that you're in is becoming dry. And it's because you're, you're really looking to something else to satisfy the needs of your soul and your own marriage. And it's starting to dry up your current marriage or spouse. Many people chased after promotions. You've chased after promotions. We chased after promotions in our lives. All to find out that it dried up the enjoyment of life. You got the promotion... It just caused you to work more hours, and it sucked your bones dry. You run into the wrong thing. When we become dry spiritually, it is often because we're chasing the wrong thing to satisfy the needs of our soul. And the Israelites had chased after idols, and because of it, they ended up with dry bones. And they are dead on the inside. And then God asked Ezekiel a question, verse 3. I'm just on verse 2, by the way. So I've got a long way to go. Verse 3, here we go. He asked me, son of man, 
Can these bones live? Very interesting question. Can these bones live? And to any normal person, of course, the answer is no. These bones are way past the point of life. In other words, the marriage is gone. The papers have been signed. There's no hope here. These, these bones are very dry. They have rotted away. The child of mine has run from God far too long, and there's no hope in the situation any longer. He's been so distanced from God for so many years, there's no way he's ever coming back. The doctors have already walked in and said, there's nothing else we can do. We've done everything we can. And what seems to be from the physical perspective and the flesh perspective is, it's over. It's just a matter of time now. It's just a matter of time. All hope for this nation is gone. But Ezekiel responds back in a unique way. He says, being fully aware of who God is, look how Ezekiel responds back. And he says this back to the question, can these bones come to live? And Ezekiel responds back in verse 4, and he says, you alone, Lord, know. In other words, only you, God, really know. Only you alone know. In other words, if they do come to life, you are the only one who can do it. It's like the old saying, there are some things that God only knows. You know what it means when, when you say the statement, only God knows? That means you've gotten yourself to the situation, you recognize you can't do anything about it. And there's only one that can. And so Ezekiel's in this scenario, and he's painting this picture in his mind. And then God tells Ezekiel to go do something very interesting. He says, I want you to do this. He says, verse 4, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Dry bones, I want you to, to listen. I want you to turn your ears on. I want you to have ears to hear. And he's speaking to the bones. Prophesy to the bones. Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord says. It's not what I'm saying. This is what God is speaking. I want you to hear what God is speaking. I will make my breath enter you. This is what God is speaking. Now, you've got to follow me on this. I will, I will make my breath enter you, and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. God is speaking his words. And he says, and I will put, this is not a question, I will put breath in you. I will put breath in you, and you will come to life. 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 I want you to hear it. You will come to life. These are the words of the Lord. And he says, then you will know that I am the Lord. Now, the word prophecy here is this Hebrew word, navah, meaning under divine influence. That's very important to understand because Ezekiel isn't just showing up giving his opinion as a prophet. He's speaking under the divine influence of God. So it would be certainly okay to say that it is God actually speaking through Ezekiel to the people. So even though it's coming out of his mouth as a man, it's really God's words coming through a man which is often how God speaks. And so he's under this divine influence. It's God speaking through him. Verse 7, so I prophesied as I was commanded. I did what I was told. That's all I did. I just did what I was told, and I spoke what God told me to speak, and I did it. And as I was prophesying, as I was under this divine influence, there was a noise and the rattling. I started to make a sound, and the bones started coming together. They started to take shape. Bone became a bone, and all of a sudden I looked around, and the tendons and the flesh appeared on them, and the skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. So I've got the physical thing happening. There's physical life on these bones. The bones are coming together, but there's still no life in them. This word breath in Hebrew is the word ruach. 
And you kind of have to finish it that way so you get a little breath on the back side of it. Because this word ruach means breath or spirit. Okay, it's, it's, it's word or wind. It's often used as wind, breath, or spirit in Hebrew or in Greek terminology. In Greek, it's the word pneuma. It's where we get the word pneumonia from. It's this, it's this idea that there's this, this breath, there's this life that's coming in. It's representation of the life that God put inside of a man when he breathed life into them. He breathed life into humanity, and then man became a living being. It's the same representation. So verse 11 tells us why there's no breath in them. Look what it says in verse 11. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. This representation, it's a picture of what's happening to the nation of Israel. And they say these words. Now, I want you to listen on this. These, these bones are dry. And, and the reason they're dry is because there's some disobedience. There's some distance that has occurred. And so you've got dryness. But I want you to prophesy. I want you to speak to these bones my words. Verse 11. Then he says, these bones are the people of Israel. And they're doing something that I believe wholeheartedly has caused the dryness. In other words, yes, it was because of the idols they were following. Yes, it was because of the disobedience. But what led to that? I believe it's wrapped up in these two words. Because of what they said. The reason these dry bones have occurred, and although they're alive physically, they're dead spiritually because of what they said. Because here's what they said. Here's what the nation of Israel was speaking. They said, our bones are dried up. Our bones are dried up, and the result is dry bones. See, our bones are dried up, and then they said these words, and our hope is gone. When you say your hope is gone, you've forgotten who your God is. He says, our hope is gone. We are cut off. There is no hope anymore. Now, these people had lost their nation. But they not only lost their nation, they had actually lost their freedom. After all, their land was invaded and captured, and they were made slaves of another country. And so, yes, they're alive physically as slaves, but they are dead spiritually. They may have looked okay on the outside, but they were dead on the inside. I also want to tell you this. The people you envy the most are also hurting inside just as much as you are. Sometimes we forget that. We think that the people we envy are, are fine. No, 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 no. Many people are broken. We have all been, have been, are currently, or will be broken on the inside. Dead on the inside. We're really good at this, by the way. We're really good at this, especially in church. Acting like everything's okay on the outside. Isn't it amazing how many times you ask somebody, how you doing? And the response is, say it with me. Doing good. Really. If everyone was doing that good all the time, then why do we live the way we live our lives? What if we're just more honest with somebody? Honestly, terrible. The reason why we don't say that is because we don't think they care. And you don't want to have to exasper, you know, put your breath out there and tell them all the bad things and complain. In other words, you really don't want to expose the truth. Right? We're, we're good at We're professionals at that. We're so good at lying about how we're doing. It was their own words that had dried up their bones. 
It was because of the way that they had been speaking. I want you to hear this, and this is what reveals to us how to hear God's voice. You have this nation who once served this God who's, this, who's full authority, and they had seen miracles for generations prior. And now, because of their distance from God, because it was led by their disobedience from God, they disobey God, they start to turn to other things, so they forget about God. It creates this distance. They can't hear Him anymore. creates dryness, and at the root of it was what they were saying to themselves, what they were speaking. They were speaking death over their life, and death is what they got. They were saying, my bones are dried up. My hope is gone. So God tells Ezekiel, I want you to speak my words again. I, I need you to, Ezekiel, I need you to walk up and down the street. This is what Ezekiel was for 22 years of his life. He was a street preacher. So it means his job was to walk up and down the street and proclaim God's words to people. Because people have forgotten what God had spoken so much that they weren't speaking it themselves. Instead, they were speaking the opposite of what God speaks. They were not speaking life. They were speaking death. And so God sends Ezekiel and he says, I want you to speak my words upon them again. And then Ezekiel just sat back and watched what happens. Watch what's about to be performed when my words get spoken over dead people. This is what it says in verse 9. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. That's very important. You've got to say it in such a way that they know it's not you, Ezekiel. It's me talking. It's my words. Come, breath from the four winds, and breathe into the slain that they may live. That's all you've got to say is one sentence. All you've got to do is speak one sentence of my words. And so Ezekiel does it. So I prophesied as he commanded me. And then it happened. Breath entered them. And they came to life. And they stood up their feet. A vast army. God had taken a valley of dry bones and turned them into a vast army. Verse 12. Therefore, and this all wraps up beautifully. Therefore, prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. God says, I got one more message for my people that you've got to speak to them. And you've got to say it to them, Ezekiel. Now say it. And here's what he said. My people... My people, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them, and I will bring you back to the land of Israel. I will fulfill my promise, in other words, is what he's saying. Verse 13, then you, my people, will know that I'm the Lord. And when I open your graves and bring you up from them, I'll put my spirit in you, and you will live, and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken. Then you will know I, the Lord, have spoken. When will you know I have spoken? You will know I have spoken when you hear my words. When you hear my words, you'll know that I've spoken. You'll know that I've spoken when you hear my words. You say, you're losing me. Follow me. You will know that I've spoken, and I've done it, declares the Lord. God is speaking to a nation, and he's speaking to you today who are spiritually dry and spiritually dead. He's speaking to a nation that has lost hope and they have forgotten every word that God ever spoke. They haven't held him to his word. 
There's, they've created so much distance between them and God, they've forgotten what God actually says. And because of it, they're speaking no hope. We're cut off. The marriage is dead. The chance for a miracle is impossible. The doctor's already said no. I am alone. I have no friends. I will not be able to make it through this. I'm going to keep going till I preach this to somebody. The marriage is done. The kid is far too gone. It's impossible for him to do this. There's no way this is going to happen. How are we going to ever fulfill? How are we going to pay for this? Where is it going to come from? Money just doesn't fall from trees. We have a lot of really good things. And because of the way you've been speaking, you've got dry bones. God says to this nation, and he says to you today, you're dead spiritually now, but I have good news for you. I'm going to make your bones live again. And when I speak to you, when you get my breath inside of you, when you get my breath inside of you, when you get my spirit inside of you, and you start speaking from that place, dead things come to life. And it's not because of the spirit that you have in you. It's because of the spirit that I place inside of you. And so if you just tell them, Ezekiel, to put my spirit inside of them, when you breathe into them and they get a taste of my spirit inside of them and they begin to speak my words, not their words, all of a sudden dead things rise. It was the way they were speaking. God had spoke to them before but the problem was that the focus had left God and they started to focus on idols. So they couldn't hear what he said anymore. They had forgotten his words. God has promised this great nation. The nation had obviously forgotten about who they were to him because their hope was gone. Had they remembered that he was their God and his word always proves true, they should have had no reason to lose hope knowing that their God is faithful to fulfill his promises. After all, he's the one that said, you're going to go to captivity. But I'm going to set you free again. And they've forgotten about that part, evidently. So the problem was not that God wasn't speaking. He's always speaking. It was they were unable to hear him because of what they had been speaking over themselves for so long. Let me say that again to you today. The reason they couldn't hear him was because of what they had been speaking to themselves and over themselves for far too long. That's why the bones were very dry. I'll illustrate it this way and then I'll wrap up. My son's here in the audience and felt like I needed to give this example today. Son's five years old, uh, just turned six, excuse me, I'm sorry, I offended him. And uh, yesterday we're at the house, it's our day of kind of rest as a family and kind of like our Sabbath day together. And uh, my oldest, uh, my nine-year-old, she, she's like, she's very... Uh, and I say this in a loving way. And so if she's watching, very dramatic, but in a loving way. And he cuts his leg a little bit, got a little cut. You ever seen a, you know, somebody who's overdramatic, they get a little blood, 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 you know. And all of a sudden, when she screams, you know, he just matches it. And he starts screaming. Ah! Tears are flooding. I'm talking about a scratch the size of, like, my pinky nail, okay? 
But, and I told her yesterday, I told her, I, t- I told her, I said, just so you know, whenever you do that, whenever you speak that way to him, he just starts to match the tone. And so, so you've got to kind of come with a gentle spirit. You know, you've got to come a little more calm, and then you'll calm him down. And so he sees the blood on his leg, and he's screaming like his leg is severed. You know, you, we, as parents, we know this. And I rushed over there. Are you okay? And it's this little cut. I said, son. And I, and I just, my volume, he's screaming, eyes are, no, I'm dying. I'm like, oh, hold on. son, it's going to be okay. And I whispered like, son, it's going to be okay. Son, it's, it's okay. And I had to calm down. Son, breathe, breathe. It's going to be okay. And finally, a couple of minutes goes by. <sighs> he takes a deep breath and stops crying. Is that it? Still bleeding. See? It's okay. It's just a little band-aid. <sighs> Wipes his tears. Doesn't cry again. What happened? He put his father's words over the words of his surrounding. You see, the words of the surrounding were telling him, blood! But dad came in and said, hey, take a deep breath. It's okay. And when he listened to his father's words, his soul became rested. What I want you to know today is for for some of you, you've spoken over your problems for so long. That's all you see. And you've spoken your problems so much that you forgot the promises of God. You're just speaking problems. You're speaking problems. You're speaking circumstance. I was telling my staff the other day, we got to stop saying, oh, this world that we're living in, oh, it's terrible, this world that we're living in. Oh, man, it's just it's terrible. It's terrible. It's terrible. It's terrible. I feel terrible. Because you've just been saying it's terrible, it's terrible, it's terrible. We're never going to go back. It's never going to have no hope. How are we going to do with kids in school? We're going to do this. Oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? How is it going to work out? How is it going to work out? Have you forgotten God's promises over your life? This is why God told Ezekiel, I don't want you to describe what you see to the people. Did you notice it? Listen to me. Ezekiel did not go to the dry bones and say, I see a lot of dead people and it ain't looking good. Because that would counter what Proverbs 17, 23 says. A cheerful heart, a good word, a word from God is like good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up bones. So God sends Ezekiel to fulfill what God has spoken, which is when you go speak life into dead things, they come up. I don't want you to speak to what you see, Ezekiel. I want you to declare what I've said over the people until they see what I've said come to pass. Some of you need to do that today. you got to speak what God has already spoken. And then you see the fulfillment of it. What often gets in the way of us hearing God's voice is simply that we don't speak his words and you speak the words of other people you look to other things if you want to hear God's voice I'm gonna tell you how to hear God's voice and anyone can do this you don't have to be a priest you don't have to have a theology degree you don't have to do nothing all you gotta do is do one thing all right you gotta do one thing so you gotta do something you gotta do one thing but there's no pre-requirements to this 
if you ever want to hear God speak, this is all you have to do. There have been books written about how to hear God's voice that are 19 chapters long. And here's what I'm thinking. You only had to put one sentence and then just hand him a Bible. Have you ever thought about this? I can't hear God. Well, what did he say? We have overcomplicated hearing God's voice as if God is like, I'm going to go quiet on you for a little while. You ever ask yourself, why isn't God speaking to me? Because you're not speaking what he's already said. If I just start speaking what he said, then I'm going imme to immediately hear from him. I'm going to show you how this works. You say, help me out, Pastor Ricky. I need a little more help. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm catching up. Let me help you out with this. When you can't hear, can't hear God about your finances, I, I don't hear God about my finances. What do I do? What do I do? My finances, my money, my money, jobs, losing. What do I do? Stress, worry, all that stuff. Speak Matthew 6, I'm going to show you how this works. What is God saying? What is God saying? What is God saying? I can't hear God's voice. I can't hear God's voice. Start to speak this. Ready? If I seek first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness, everything will be given to me. Why am I worried? You just heard God speak. Say, it's got to be more than that, though. No, I'm looking for like an emotion, you know. I got to get warm and I got to get hot on the inside. No, you're just trying to get an emotion. No. If you are worried about your finances and you are dead spiritually because of money, start to speak this into your life. Let me speak it over you as Ezekiel spoke over the nation of Israel. If you seek first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness, he will meet every single need you have. Those are not my words, those are his. When you can't hear God about a vision he gave you. This hasn't happened yet. I know it's in my heart for this to come. Some of you need to say this right here. Ready? I'm telling you, you this is a word for you. This is a word for you. God wants you to say these words. He who began a good work in me is faithful to complete it. The vision that he gave me that I don't see coming to pass, I had a dream, but I don't see it happening. I had a hope, but I don't see it coming true. There's this hope in my heart. There's desire in my heart, but I don't see it happening. Is it going to happen? We're cut off. We're done. No. Start to declare Philippians 1.6 over your life. He who begins a good work in me is faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. There's other pastors that might be watching online about their churches. God gave me a hope and a vision for my church. I want you to declare today simply these words. God is faithful to finish what it starts. The gates of hell will never destroy the church. Some people are driving into their churches and they're thinking churches are dying. No, churches will live forever because God's word stands true forever. And nothing, nothing will separate his bride from the love of God. God will always keep advancing. God will always keep pushing. No corona, no disease, no finance struggle, nothing will stop the kingdom of God from advancing. Now who feels encouraged? See what happened? That was a good word. And if you didn't, if you didn't hear that, it's because you got dry bones for far too long. That even when I speak, 
The words in your mind start to trump the words that I'm saying, and they're at a battle with one another. That's why he said, Ezekiel, you got to go back to them and keep telling them. you got to keep speaking life into them until all of a sudden you see them take shape and take form, and they come back to life again. you got to keep speaking my words. If you want to hear God's voice, begin to speak his word. So question for you today. What words of God do you need to speak over your life today? What is a, a word from God's word? What, what are some words that, that you need to begin to speak over your life today? God wants to speak to you. And he has already spoken. Begin to speak his word. I told you in part one. If you want to know his voice, you got to know his word. It all works together. And then if you want to know his voice, you got to heed his word. you got to do what the word says to do. But if you want to know his voice, just start to speak his word. That's different than knowing it, by the way. If you had talked, if you had talked to these Israelites, I'll wrap up with this thought. If you had talked to these Israelites, these Jewish followers for many years, if you had asked them, what does Genesis 1-1 say? They would have known it. The problem was they weren't saying it. You hear that? That was the problem, right? The problem, verse 11, they weren't speaking it. That's the problem. They weren't saying it. They knew it, but they weren't saying it. Some of us have been in church far too long. In that this. We know it. We know it so well. But we've forgotten to speak it. Start to speak life back in you again today. I want to finish with a really... The gospel, that's what this whole thing is about. Jesus Christ, the gospel, the good news of Jesus. One of my favorite movies is uh, the movie Pirates of the Caribbean. I love the, the, the movie sequel and all of that. I, I get into it. I like it. If you want to judge me for that, that's fine. But I like Pirates of the Caribbean. Whatever. I think there's a great teaching in this movie, though. In this movie, the very first, first part of this movie, how it all unfolds is you got these men who are under the curse. And if they're under the curse, their dry bones are exposed. And when they go into the light, you see the, you see these bones, uh, they're dead on the inside. In other words, if you see them in one shot, they're alive on the outside, but if you see them in another shot, when the light exposes, they're dead on the inside. And all you see is their bones. It's the whole premise of the movie. And the reason that they got these, they're, they're under this curse or the reason why they, they're in these bones, and by the way, they can't feel, they can't touch, they can't smell, they can't enjoy the fullness of life. And they're on this pursuit to break this curse so they can have their lives back again. But they can't break the curse. And they're trying to figure out, how do I break the curse? That's what it's all about. Well, in the story of the movie, there's a captain. But the captain is gone. And so he can't come and break the curse. And instead, what the captain does is he sends his son, Will Turner. And Will Turner then has to show up to break the curse. But if you know the movie, you know what has to happen. What does he have to do? He has to shed his blood over the curse. And whenever, whenever his blood hits the curse, all of a sudden, the curse is reversed, and they come back to life again. 2,000 years ago, God is in heaven, and he sends his son, Jesus, to shed his blood over the curse of your sin and my sin. And the reason he did that was so that you could have the life 
that he's intended for you to have. That you would taste and see that the Lord is good. And so Jesus shed his blood. And when his blood hits the curse, the curse has no power over it anymore. And all of a sudden, the dead spiritual bones that were once caused by sin from Adam and Eve back from the beginning, all of a sudden gets restored. And all of a sudden, your life begins to take shape. And now you belong to the king and have eternal life. You didn't know that I could take parts of the Caribbean movie and make it spiritual, but I just did. Jesus, let's pray. Jesus, right now I know there are words that I've spoken today. And not because they're my words, because they are yours. Right now, God wants to speak life into you today. I believe by faith God is speaking life into many people today. And it begins by you just speaking his word. No weapon formed against me will prosper. No weapon formed against me will prosper. No weapon formed against me will prosper. God is able to do immeasurably more than you could ever think I could ever dream of possible. Ephesians 3.20, God is able to do abundantly more, exceedingly more than I could ever possibly imagine. He has directed my path. And even when I don't feel him, his purposes prevail. His purposes prevail. Many plans are in his heart, my heart, but God's purposes always prevail. He is faithful to complete what he starts. He'll never stop. He causes dead things to come to life. With God, all things are possible. The doctor said it's not possible, but with God, all things are possible. The marriage is done, but with God, all things are par possible. Uh, the kid has gone... Far too long, Luke 15, prodigal son, when he came to his senses, he turned and he ran into his father's arms. Have you forgotten the words of God? If you ever want to hear God's voice, just speak his words. Jesus, would you come and give life today? If today you want to receive Christ as your Savior, if you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life, and my encouragement to you is fill out a connection card, type it in the chat room. Let us walk through that journey with you. We can pray with you and stand with you. And today, be encouraged. God wants to speak to you today. So now go and speak his words over your life. In Jesus' name, amen.